Oh my gosh. People told me that this episode was good, but I was still not ready for how good it actually was. Oh my goodness. Hello and welcome to Obsession Bluey, a podcast where I talk about the things I'm obsessed with. For this season, season one, I'm talking about the hit Australian children's show, Bluey. This show will make you very emotional. Hey, this is just a reminder at the beginning of the podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate and review my podcast. You can give it whatever rating that you want to give it. Um, because I believe in honesty here. I don't believe in uh, blowing smoke up someone's butt. But if you really like this podcast, please rate it and review it. We did get one review, and that review says, I'm going to find it. It says, it's probably like from my niece or something. It says, best pod ever. I can't tell you how much I love this pod. So there you go. This is the best pod ever. Someone loves it. it might be my niece. I don't know who this is. It's Their username is N-I-G-N-I-J-N-J-I-N-I-J. Nidge, nidge, nidge. Sounds like something Muffin would say or something like that. But thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please give me a rating and review. I would love that. But enjoy this episode because this episode is a absolute masterpiece of an episode. Not my episode, the episode of Bluey. Okay, short recap. The Healer family is on a camping trip and Bluey, playing down by the river, meets a puppy who speaks French and doesn't know a lick of English. This doesn't stop Bluey from becoming friends with the dog and spending a lot of time with him over the next three days. Only, John Luke has to leave without Bluey getting a chance to say goodbye. Bluey learns that there are people in our lives for a little bit and then they leave, but that doesn't mean we can't remember the good times that we had with those people. And as she goes back to the camping spot many years later, John Luke finds her as the episode ends and everyone is in tears. The episode opens up with a shot outside a camper. Through the window, we see Bluey's head, and the shot transitions to inside where Bluey says, with a lot of drama, oh, my house is so fancy. Then Muffin comes up the steps and says, Bluey, this is my caravan. <laughs> Just from the first five seconds of this episode, we have so much to talk about. The main thing is just how perfect it is that Muffin, Stripe, Trixie, and Socks aren't camping in a tent, but they're actually camping in an RV or a camper van. <laughs> and the shame that Bluey passively heaps on them for being in a camper and saying that it's a fancy thing is like, that's real. I love camping and backpacking. I've never stayed in a tent or an RV, or I've never stayed in an RV or a camper. I always usually stay in a tent, but at campsites that I go to, they can be all over the place. Campers or camper vans or RVs or something like that. And there is just a note of pride for all people who are tent camping that they are tougher and better than the RV campers. <laughs> and anytime a tent camper goes into something more luxurious than a tent, it's not called camping, it's called glamping. Like glamorous camping. <laughs> so I just love that there's notes of pride in Bluey's voice here about how she knows that she's doing real camping and that when she goes into the RV, it's so luxurious. And you kind of like complain about how not, some some people aren't living quite as tough of a camping life as you are. 
<laughs> so I just have those notes of pride um, that Bluey has here with the uh, with her camping experience. And I just love how the first few seconds of this episode are Bluey kind of just joking around that she's living in, in luxury now that she's just sitting in a camper van. I think she probably gets this from her dad joking around with Uncle Stripe about how he's glamping and he's not getting the full experience of camping by being in an RV. But I love this little section. And in this section too, we have Muffin's backpack from the bike episode. And I think this and the bike episode are the two best episodes in season one so far. I would probably rank bike as the highest just because that one caught me so off guard. And then I would say this is second, but I think they're close. I would probably like at any one day, any one hour, I could probably flip the two. They are incredible episodes. And this one just was so moving, so beautiful. Oh my goodness. But Muffin comes back in here and Bluey then puts some insult to injury calling Muffin her butler. <laughs> Bluey's about to drink from a camping mug when, when Muffin runs over to her saying, that cup is mine. And they get in a tug of war match over it and Muffin comes out the winner. And then Bingo enters the picture here with a frying pan and Muffin declares that that frying pan is hers. Child possessiveness in full force here. Muffin is one of those kids that cannot let other kids play with her toys, but is always wanting those things for herself, even if she isn't playing with them at all. She goes a little crazy here too, holding the frying pan over her, over her head and shouting, it's all mine. And the title sequence comes up here though, as Bluey lets us know that this episode of Bluey is called Camping. The next scene, Muffin is chasing Bingo and Bluey out of the trailer. She is giving her a classic, yeah, 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 yeah. And the shot moves in on Bluey and Bingo. And Bingo says, can you believe it? The butler kicked us out. And Bluey puts her hand on her forehead in exasperation and says, we'll have to live in the forest. And they start to walk toward the forest when mom walks into the frame and says, not this one. She picks Bingo up. And she says, she hasn't had a bath in three days. <laughs> Chili walks out of the frame with Bingo tucked under her arm and Bingo saying, I like stinking. And Bluey takes it all in stride and smiles saying goodbye to her sister. It is so funny to me that kids, especially when they're camping, I guess, I haven't been camping with kids, but there's just like a lack of hygiene that is just so incredible when you're not, when you're camping, like you go swimming and you can wash some of that stuff off. But I love that bingo here is just smelly and gross and stinking and chili just cannot stay in the tent with her any longer without a bath. She needs to give her kid a bath so that they can actually sleep and that bingo doesn't stink so much anymore. But there's just a weirdness to kids not really feeling the need to shower or not wanting to take baths or not wanting to feel like that clean feeling. That is really interesting. When when I'm hiking and backpacking, sometimes you live for those moments where you're dirty and you're miserable and like the the one thing that will help you is like a good shower. Like that is, I love taking a good shower after a backpacking trip. It's one of my favorite things, but kids could probably go on forever being sweaty and gross and not really have to like, like enjoy taking a shower and getting life from a shower like an adult would. So I just love that she's stinking in this house. <laughs> um, but the next shot cuts to a little river valley. It's a river that was bigger than it was now because there's like a mud bank on both sides and there's a bigger ledge that kind of just drops down onto this small little trickling running down the middle of this kind of dried up riverbed. It's like a river that's running at 10%. But Bluey climbs down the bank and she finds some driftwood and sticks down there and she says in her same dramatic way still playing the game 
Oh, I have to make a house out of sticks. She starts to pick up some sticks when all of a sudden she hears something across the little stream. And it's someone saying, Bonjour. The shot widens to show us a deep blue furred Labrador. He's cute. And he keeps talking in French. And one of the amazing things that this show did in this episode too was that it didn't give us any English subtitles for what Jean-Luc said. We, along with Bluey, are kind of lost for what he is actually saying here. The only way that you can know what he's saying is, is if you watch this episode in French. Then Jean-Luc becomes English and his words are in plain English. It's a brilliant ploy by the creators of the show to make us feel as lost as Bluey and to give us the feeling that sometimes a common language is only one small way that we can actually connect with people. And we don't really need to know what Jean-Luc is saying in order to appreciate him here. But Jean-Luc keeps speaking in French. And I'm going to spoil what he is saying each time that he says it because this is a deep dive podcast. But he asks Bluey across the river in French, do you want to play with me? But Bluey doesn't understand. So Bluey says, huh? And Jean-Luc goes on this time using his hands. He says, again, everything he says is in French. I just want to keep that clear. But in English, he says, do you want us to, uh, do you want us to play together? Bluey, again, doesn't understand because Jean-Luc's speaking in French. So she stands up with the sticks and says, um, I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Jean-Luc takes this as an opportunity to show rather than tell her. He picks up a stick on his side of the river and then pole vaults over the little stream. Again, note that the river is more like, again, it's like a stream. It's a little trickle of water, no more than like a foot across. But Jean-Luc hops across and then hands Bluey the stick in his hands. Bluey thanks him and tells him, even though he doesn't understand, that these are for her house because her butler kicked her out. <laughs> the shot then goes to a transition where there are two flowers in bloom. They kind of look like daisies, but I do think they're more like peonies. I want to say they're peonies. And there are two of them in focus here. It's kind of like a symbol of their budding friendship. And note that it's a passage of time transition and we don't see birds, but we do hear them. So I think that still counts in my book because I think there is a bird every transition in Bluey. Every passage of time transition, there's a bird in it. Except for the one when we saw the bird died and there was no bird in it at all because the bird had died. Going back to the, I forgot what that episode was called. It was where the budgie died. Oh man, I'm going to blank on that one. Um, it was the, oh, why can't I think of what that, that uh, name of the episode was? It was, I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, copycat 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 that was a great episode but that was the only passage of time transition that we had where it wasn't there wasn't a bird in it at least i think maybe i missed one before but now the scene transitions from the two flowers into the the woods where both of them are making a teepee jean luc comes to the frame saying oh a house that's great um, but again i will remind you of this every time jean luc speaks it's in french he then goes on picking up a big leaf saying we can take uh, the plants to make the walls. And as he tells Bluey this, he picks up a leaf and puts it against a stick on a teepee showing that it's the walls. Bluey understands this, so she points and says, oh yeah, those will be the walls. The next scene is a beautiful one. 
The two gather their different material, Jean-Luc gathering leaves and Bluey gathering six, and then the shot stays on the teepee, but we get like a time lapse of the structure getting built by the two of them. It's beautiful, and it's like every kid's dream playhouse. I loved making a teepee in the woods with my friends or just by myself or with my family or something like that. And the music in this episode too comes on stronger here, and it's this delightfully fresh and airy music and it's, there's an acoustic guitar there are singers it's do 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 it's great it's a really really great soundtrack it just fits the idea of camping so much but the two finish the structure now and they step back to look at their masterpiece Jean-Luc puts his hands up and says in French oh that's very nice and Bluey keeps the game going saying now we need food to eat Jean-Luc bends down and picks up a seed off the ground he tells Bluey again in French, we could plant this seed like the farmers to grow some fruit. Bluey understands again because Jean-Luc is doing a good job of speaking with his hands as well. And Bluey says, oh yeah, we can plant this seed like farmers. And she waves for Jean-Luc to follow her and he does. They run down to the riverbed and Bluey digs a hole next to it. She says, this will grow into a big tree with fruit on it. And Jean-Luc says, oh, I think this will take a very long time to grow, you know? This is a really classic kid move, too. I remember a few days after learning about seeds and seed growth in class when I was younger, I ate an apple and then went outside to plant the apple seeds into the ground. And I thought that maybe like the next day or like uh, maybe like a week later, I was going to get some growth, but didn't get anything. <laughs> I honestly thought that after a few short hours, I would get something, but it didn't grow. Those things take time, like most other things do. And the majority of life, I think, is the decisions to just simply wait and be patient for the good things that you have planted in your life. Friendship takes time. Good education takes time. Getting good at something like basketball or the violin, it takes time. And the more we plant those seeds and foster that growth in our life and let them bloom, the better off we will be in the long run. Rather than planting something and then uprooting it because it's just not happening quite as quickly as we'd like. The more I think I go through life, the more I realize it's a, just a push and pull battle between Delayed gratification and instant gratification. And I think delayed is always better. Almost always better. Sometimes instant gratification might be good. But I think delayed is almost always better because we foster different gifts and abilities and we put the time in and it becomes more rewarding for us. Like, I think about this all the time. Like, I think a lot of people think of this. But if you go to the gym and then quit, maybe f a few months down the line, you just think in your head, oh, I wonder what it would what I would be like right now if I didn't quit going to the gym, if I still stuck at it. I tried learning cello when I was in high school. It was a masterfully difficult instrument to learn. Um, and I didn't really have any education, but I could not get over this learning hump. And I just kind of gave up. But I think about this every once in a while. I'm like, if I played every day for like 20 minutes, imagine how good I would be. Imagine how fun it would be just like sitting there and being able to like bust out something on the cello. Really interesting. This happens for everything that we do, for for sports, if you just practice every day, or for, I mean, like education, like learning stuff every day. It could honestly happen with anything in your life. And I think it's those moments where we regret what our life it was, rather than just take those opportunities and take those moments to learn those things. And even though it stinks in the moment, like sometimes practice stinks, just to grunt it out and do it we'll find we are more rewarded in the future with we've learned more skills and we, we can like enjoy playing a piece of music or we can play soccer better or fill in the blank for whatever it is. So I am just very much of the opinion and the belief that delayed gratification is always more gratifying than instant gratification, but it's hard. It makes it uh, very difficult to want to delay that gratification for something in the future. 
But this is this tree analogy is one of those things. But Bluey finished planting the seed, and she says, There. Might take a while. And we need something to eat now. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we hear, Roar! And it's got the classic bandit lilt all over it. And the shot widens as the girls run off and hide. And Bandit comes into the frame here with a pail. And he's making some more of those more noises. I like the idea that Bandit knows exactly what they're doing. Like, I can imagine that he sat by the forest edge for a few minutes just watching them plant the seed. He's smiling to himself. And then he overhears them talking about needing food. And then he just made the game super fun for them by acting like a wild pig. It's just great fathering right there. But Bandit kneels down next to the stream the little trickle, and he dips his bucket into the water. And the shot moves to Bluey and Jean-Luc poking their heads out from the rock that they are hiding behind, and Bluey says, It's a wild pig! Jean-Luc pops out now, and in French he says, A wild pig! Or, A sanglia! I think that's how you say it in French. Sanglia. <laughs> My French is very bad. I think French is one of the most beautiful languages too, by the way. I would love to learn French. French and Japanese. Those are two languages I want to learn really badly. But they both look at each other and smile. The shot then gets back to Bandit filling up his pail when all of a sudden the kids jump out and scare the wit out of Bandit. He goes running away with water spilling all over the place and Bluey and Jean-Luc just laugh together at scaring the pig. We then hear Chili in the distance and she yells, Bluey, dinner. And Jean-Luc's parents do the same, yelling, Jean-Luc, dinner. <laughs> Bluey turns to Jean-Luc and says, see you tomorrow. And Jean-Luc confirms, saying, see you tomorrow, before he runs away to his parents and to dinner. But as Bluey runs away, she stops and turns around, yelling, my name is Bluey. Salut, Bluey. Moi, c'est Jean-Luc. See you tomorrow, Jean-Luc. Now we get a beautiful montage of some beautiful things happening. Bluey's family, along with Muffin's family, are sitting around a campfire. They're roasting marshmallows, and they're just looking to be swapping stories and just enjoying time together. It's a beautiful thing right there. The long, the like, the like, longer I am away from places like that, the more I want to actually be at those. And I think that there's just weird, like I just wanna be around a fire. I just wanna be with people swapping stories, not talking about anything about politics, but just like, or like any news or anything like that. Just swapping stories about life with a bunch of people. That is my favorite kind of conversation. But note here too, Long Dog makes an appearance in this scene. And Long Dog is right under Chili's chair. Almost, I've seen him in almost every episode. Maybe like 80% of the episodes so far. Maybe there's been like 10 episodes where I haven't found Long Dog in. But this is a, this was a tougher one to find. But I paused it and was able to find him. But the next shot here is of John Luke's family just enjoying their dinner together at a picnic table. They're eating salmon, looks like. And correct me if I'm wrong, but do people put maple syrup on their fish? Because they have a bottle of maple syrup on the table for a meal that is fish and mashed potatoes. I think this is just to show that they are French Canadian rather than just French. But that would be a weird combo if that was true. The next shot though is of Bluey running into a lighted tent. She's in the dark, so it's just a silhouette running into a tent with Chili poking her head out. Bluey dives in, Chili zips up the tent, and the light goes out. The same thing happens for Jean-Luc. He dives into the lighted tent where his mom zips it shut and then turns off the light. The shot stays on Jean-Luc's tent though, but we get another time lapse as the night turns to day and Bluey sprints toward the tent. She stops by the entrance and shouts, Jean-Luc. 
I can imagine she's going through all sorts of other tents, shouting Jean-Luc's name to see if he'd be in there. And she probably woke up like half the campsite by going from tent to tent. How did she actually know this is Jean-Luc's uh, tent? I don't know. Maybe like earlier in the the, the uh, day, we didn't really see it, but they actually went and spent time at Jean-Luc's campsite. But this is the one, this is their, this is their tent. And Jean-Luc unzips the tent and he says in French, how are you, Bluey? And Bluey asks, are you ready to play? And we get that flower transition again with birds chirping and birds actually swooping in the background here. The two flowers are standing up a little taller than last time. The scene moves back to the teepee they were making and they're both putting more leaves on it. Then the shot moves to Bluey and Jean-Luc running to the seed they planted, but there isn't anything grown yet. Bluey sees that they don't have a tree and therefore they don't have any fruit. So she says, we have to catch a wild pig today or we'll have no food for winter. They then hear the more again and Bandit probably just did the same thing. Just sat by the edge of the woods waiting for them to talk about food because his timing is impeccable here. Bluey and Jean-Luc just duck out again and they run behind the rock. Bandit comes down looking apprehensive as he goes to get some water by the stream. He kneels down and the shot moves to the two with their heads poking out by the rock. They duck behind it and they start to plan. They start talking at the same exact time. Bluey says, I'll scare him and you get him when he runs away. And Jean-Luc in French says, I'm going to get his legs before he runs away. <laughs> Jean-Luc feeling extra violent today. The scene cuts back to Bandit now who is calmly getting water from the stream. When all of a sudden Jean-Luc and Bluey jump out and try to grab him but Bandit splashes water on them and gets away. Bluey turns to Jean-Luc now saying, that wasn't the plan, Jean-Luc. You're supposed to cut him off. And Jean-Luc says, oh, I thought you wanted to come to the other side. Again, he's saying it in French. They don't quite understand each other here. The task of catching this pig is proving too much for their language barrier. But yet again, Chili yells dinner time and the two of them shrug and just walk their separate ways. Jean-Luc saying, see you later, as he walks away. The shot now shows the two of them diving into their tents. And it's a new day yet again. Bluey runs up to the tent again, shouting Jean-Luc, and Jean-Luc unzips his tent and says, Bonjour. Then it's just a beautiful moment of affection and growing friendship. Bluey holds out her hand and Jean-Luc takes it off as they both run off. They are growing in their friendship and it's a beautiful scene, truly. Holding hands between two young kids is so heartwarming. To see them just trust another person and really enjoy playing with them to the point that you can hold hands with them and get them to play with you, it's beautiful. When my niece holds her younger brother's hands and helps him out with something, my heart just melts. And here this hand-holding thing is just a mutual affection that the two share for each other, that they're having a great time camping and playing with each other. The two of them go to the sea that they planted, but they don't find anything. Bummer. And Bluey says that they need a, pl a better plan to catch the pig. And there's an interesting moment when they just kind of under understand each other because John Luke says, yes, this is our very last chance, which is ominous here. This is the first indication that this is John Luke's last day. But Bluey doesn't quite understand all of what he's saying here, but she has a great idea. The next shot shows both of them just cradling water in their hands. They aren't doing this individually though. It looks like Bluey's hands are over John Luke's as they both cradle water together. It's a really kind of touching scene. And they drop it onto a rock. 
So I like botany, but I know nothing about geology. So I'm going to guess this is some kind of clay rock right here because they're able to draw with it because Bluey takes her finger and rubs it on the rock, the wet rock, and then draws with her finger on the larger rock that they always hid behind. She tells Jean-Luc that her dad taught her how to do this. She draws a pig on the rock and she turns to Jean-Luc and says, pig, sangalia. She then draws herself in front of the pig. Me, toi. Then Jean-Luc takes his finger to the rock and draws on the bigger rock. He draws himself behind the pig and Bluey says, you. And the two finally understand each other and they have this plan all set. They hear the more and it's time to put that plan into action. Bandit walks over to the stream and kneels down to get water. And out pops just Bluey. She is painted with war stripes all over her body. They had the time to paint, which is just impressive. She has like a palm branch too, and she scares Bandit away, and Bandit goes running. But Bluey chases after him, and we get a scene where Bandit runs away, and the camera is in front of him, kind of just following him as he runs along. We can see Bluey behind him. When the camera transitions to the path ahead, and Jean-Luc now jumps out with war paint all over him, and a palm branch in his hands. Bandit is cornered, and Bluey runs and tackles him to the ground, both of the kids now claiming victory over Bandit. They did it. They caught the wild pig. The scene transitions to the two of them just laughing and giggling at the stream again. They're washing the war paint off, off of them in the water, and both of them hear their parents shouting their names, so the kids get up and Bluey hugs Jean-Luc, saying, Bye, Jean-Luc. See you tomorrow. And still in the hug, so Bluey can't see his facial expressions, Jean-Luc says, No, I will not be here. And he looks supremely sad about it. This was heartbreaking to watch for the first time. And pretty much every time after that too, to be honest. But Bluey runs away, thinking she has a whole another day with Jean-Luc just to play. She doesn't look back as she runs away. But Jean-Luc stands there and to himself says, Au revoir, Bluey. The scene cuts to the light in the tent going out, and we are back to the morning. The first shot we get is of a little plant, that little plant that they planted. Apparently, it grew just enough to poke out of the soil. Bluey walks into the shot and just screams in excitement. Ah, a little tree! She then runs over to Jean-Luc's side of the river and shouts, Jean-Luc, come quickly! But the tent isn't there. There is just a little dry patch of grass where the tent looks like it was. Bluey then looks around for Jean-Luc, confused. She looks in the teepee they built, by the rock they hatched the plan by, but nothing. She then runs over to her mom, who looks like she's getting breakfast ready, and she asks her, Mom, do you know where Jean-Luc is? His tent's not there. Chili says, Oh, yes, I saw them packing up. What? They must have left early this morning. You mean they're gone? I'm afraid so, sweetheart. Bluey runs back to the little tree that sprouted. She sits down, curls her tail around her, and she starts to cry. The music is beautiful here, too. It's just quiet and moving. It's letting us know exactly what Bluey is feeling here. The shot then transitions to the tent. It's not lit right now. It looks like it's in the middle of the night. And we hear Bingo's voice saying, Mom, I need a wee. It's our little comedy for the episode. Okay, Chili says, let's do a bush wee. Where's the bunny night? Or where's the bunny night light? And on it clicks as Bluey finds it and is still awake. Her sadness has kept her awake. 
Ugh, this is heartbreaking. She literally has not been able to sleep. The next scene shows the sleepiness in Chili's eyes and Bingo's, but none in Bluey's. She has been thinking about her friend and how her friend left and how alone she is, and that's kept her up for the whole night. But Chili asks Bluey if she wants if she needs a wee too. Bluey says that, that she doesn't, but she asks to come anyway. The more the merrier. The shot moves to outside where Chili is holding Bingo as Bingo is taking a wee. Bluey is just leaning on her mom here and begins to talk. It's beautiful dialogue, and it just has so much depth to it. She says, Mom? Yeah. Why does Jean-Luc have to go? Their holiday was over, honey. But I want to keep playing with him. He was my friend. Well, look. Sometimes special people come into our lives, stay for a bit, and then they have to go. But that's sad. It is, but the bit that they were here was happy, wasn't it? Yeah, we caught a wild pig together. Maybe that makes it all worth it. The shot then moves to a super wide shot. The girls are like small, like a tenth of the screen in the middle on the bottom. They're illuminated only by the single bunny nightlight, and we see just a few stars over their head. Bluey goes on. Will I ever see him again? Chili says, well, you never know. The world's a magical place. And Chili turns off the bunny nightlight, and it goes dark, but thousands of more stars appear now and illuminate the night sky. Bluey looks up. Whoa. Bingo then says, finished. Oh, stars. Pretty. I love this scene so much because it just has the idea that there is beauty in the darkness. In the same way that Bluey felt the darkness of sadness all around here because her friend left, that sadness only illuminated a few memories. And the darkness kind of enveloped everything else. But when the nightlight was turned off, Bluey was able to see the true beauty of the night sky. And so think of the true beauty and all the good moments that she shared with Jean-Luc. The similar moment happened to me when I was on a class trip in middle school. <laughs> we went to some like little retreat center in the middle of Pennsylvania for a class bonding trip. And late one night, one of the chaperones took us outside and shone the flashlight in our eyes. And then we, then he turned it off. And it was the same thing that happened here. Our eyes adjusted and we saw thousands and thousands of stars. There was barely any like natural or there was barely, barely any unnatural light to pollute the night sky. It was very dark. and It was incredible. It was beautiful. And that night I saw the coolest shooting star that I've ever seen. It was a massive ball of a shooting star. And then halfway through... It split into two and both went into different directions. It was magnificent. And in this shot in blue, we just see all the girls' eyes looking up and staring at the beautiful night sky, admiring these incredible stars. And again, it's just a reminder to us that there is beauty sometimes even in the darkest, most like difficult places that we have been in our life. There is still beauty all around us. Sometimes the darkest moments make the good things that happen to us even better and they make those beautiful moments even more beautiful and the music truly gets incredible here as the voices come in and the next scene moves to the seed that was planted that's become a tree we get the camera zooming out and another time-lapse shot of the tree growing and growing and growing until eventually all sorts of budgies fly out of the tree like it's a magical haven for birds and friendship and love the shot goes wide so we can see the whole river bend and a small stream coming through and then we see an older looking Bluey walking down the river 
with a book in her hands. <laughs> it is so moving. If I had to say, I think it's like 10 years that have passed. And this is actually really emotional of a scene just to see Bluey as a teenager. Time goes so fast in life. Honestly, like I was reminiscing with my family the other day about what each of the kids was like when they were younger. And it just got me thinking and looking back at pictures and just seeing how fast time moves and how short this life is. But as Bluey is walking down to the tree that she planted with Jean-Luc 10 years ago, it's now a massive tree. It's beautiful. It's flowering. It's pink. It's incredible. We hear Muffin's voice and only her voice shouting, Bluey, that book is mine. <laughs> Muffin has not changed. She's still possessive. So funny. Like it makes me question, are people capable are people capable of change? I don't know. But Bluey rolls her eyes a bit and says, I know it's yours, Muffin. I'm just borrowing it. Her voice here oh, gets me choked up just thinking about it. But Bluey sits down and leans against the tree, the tree that she planted this John Luke 10 years ago. She cracks the book open and begins to read when all of a sudden from the other side of the river we hear a voice. And this time it's in English. Hello, Bluey. Jean-Luc speaks in English. He learned English. The camera widens to show us Jean-Luc waving at the other side of the stream. The guitar comes in as the two just look at each other and smile and wave. And the episode ends. It's going to truly be another good vacation of catching up and rekindling old friendships. It is a truly, truly beautiful episode. Each episode, I'm going to talk about the four things that I notice in the episode. Four because there are four members of the family. This episode, however, we are going to do five in honor of Jean-Luc because Jean-Luc is the man. So we're going to do five things that we noticed. These are not the most important parts of the show, but they're just things that I really, really liked. So here we go. Number one, this is an oft noted point in Bluey lore, but I need to make this point for how amazing it is. And I've talked about this before. But if you flip the language of this episode on Disney Plus to French rather than English, Jean-Luc becomes Johnny and he speaks English and is like very English sounding. And Bluey is the one who speaks French. It is truly amazing how detailed and beautiful the show is. And that way you can actually understand what Jean-Luc's saying because his subtitles are still in French during the episode, but he speaks in English. So you kind of just feel lost right along with Bluey at that part. It's, oh my goodness, like how they were able to transition this from being French to English. And oh, it makes me so, it's such a good scene. Oh my goodness. Number two, Bandit does not say a word in this episode. He speaks only in the section where they are in the campfire, around the campfire, but we don't actually hear what he says because there's music playing over it. It's just like a quick scene. And in the episode itself, he only says more, which I guess he means like he's acting like the pig the entire camping trip. He really sticks and commits to the bit. I'm curious if Jean-Luc thinks that Bandit is actually saying some words rather than grunting and groaning. Maybe his he doesn't know any English at all, period. And he thinks that more is a word that uh, Bandit is actually saying. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny if that happened. Number three. Speaking of that campfire scene, just pause it when you get there because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Socks is asleep. Great, classic socks. Bluey is just the life of the party. Bingo is enjoying a marshmallow. Chili is sipping on some hard apple cider. 
And a long dog is right underneath her. And Muffin has burned her marshmallow, in which Trixie is looking just a bit nervous that she's burned her marshmallow because she knows there might be a meltdown coming. This show really understands these characters. I feel like they're so believable as characters because in my mind, that is what each of them would be doing around a campfire. Bandit and and Stripe, they're just kind of like taking in the moment too. Bandit is probably the life of the party. He just is the one talking. He's swapping a story. And Stripe is just sitting there enjoying enjoying the rest of the company. This show just nails everything, especially with character development. Number four. I have a, a sneaking suspicion that Jean-Luc's family is actually not from France, but they are French Canadians. The upper sections of Canada are French, and the reason I think this is because at their meal, there is a Canadian maple syrup. It's a big bottle um, of syrup, and just it has a big old maple leaf sitting on the table. And I just feel like that is the pride and joy of all Canadians, and it's something that they would never forget to bring them bring with them on a camping trip. And then again, too, it's like the centerpiece of the dinner table because they're having they're having salmon or something like that. They're having some kind of fish. And who puts maple syrup on their fish? But the maple syrup is front and center on the table because it's like the masterpiece of the Canadian way. It's really also interesting to see that this family is on vacation in Australia and they chose to go camping for a week out in the bush, too. I just feel like this family gets me. Number five. For Jean-Luc, I can't go without identifying the beautiful tree that they planted that sprout sprouted. I cannot. It's a pink trumpet tree and is honestly a really beautiful tree if you want to plant one. Go into your city and just plant one in like some soil somewhere. And that thing, they're pretty hardy and they're pretty well adapted to different climates. And again, if you plant one, it will steal the entire show. Especially in the spring, those things are beautiful. They will bloom and they will go completely pink. They're like cherry blossoms, but they get bigger than cherry blossoms. They're incredible trees. Very, very beautiful. Each episode of Bluey, we're going to talk about the theme of the episode of Bluey. And the theme of this specific episode of Bluey is friendship. Oh, it's so many other things. It's love and time and companionship and just... There are so many themes in this episode, but this episode had me in the feels so quickly, and I just wanted to like to talk. I just want to talk about so many things in this episode. My thoughts are spinning. There's so much that I want to go through from just this one seven-minute-long episode. But let's start with just the idea of planting things and returning to them later. This theme in Bluey um, is just—it's like present in this episode, just with the planting of the tree. And the persistence that Jean-Luc and Bluey had while they were like, you know, building the teepee and that they were hunting the pig, but it's especially with the tree. So this tree that was planted by both of them just serves as a physical reminder of friendship. And it's interesting to me why different religions choose physical objects to remember things by. I think it's because those things can actually enhance our memory of them. The same is true of people who die. It seems a strange thing that a person dies and we plant a tree, but that tree just serves as a reminder to all the people who are still alive of how many years that that person has passed away, and it helps us remind us of all the good times that we've had with that person. For Bluey, planting a tree meant that every year she would go back and get excited about its growth and then remember, remember the possibility of seeing Jean-Luc. And something kind of similar happens, I think it happens to all of us, but in my life, I remember just specifically with trees, I remember going up to upstate New York with one of my friends and seeing this section of trees that was kind of like 
very small pine trees. It looks like they were just planted like maybe a year or two years before. And then I didn't go out for a long time. And then I went back maybe like 10 years later. And I remember driving by that and seeing these trees were massive. Now they were like 30, 40 feet high, huge trees, not as big as pine trees go. Pine trees get huge, but it was just a cool thing just to be able to see like the, the time go from like one small little tree to these are now huge trees and just it's like a sad thing it just shows the shortness of your life and how you should really soak up every moment but i again i can remember i could just imagine here bluey going back every year hoping that she would see jean luc because it's weird it's a friendship that only lasted three days but sometimes those are the kinds of people who can have lasting effects on you not to get all romantic or anything and i know everyone's going to laugh here with this story but when I was going to into my freshman year of high school, I went off to summer camp and there I met Jenna, <laughs> a cute girl, and we hit it off. I still remember the last day though. So we were like hanging out and obviously camp, the last day stinks, everyone's saying bye, everyone's crying. But I remember the last day we're all just kind of sitting there and her parents come and pick her up and I remember watching her as she walked away and then she walked behind a wall and that was the last time I ever saw her in person. Still have not seen her to this, in person to this day. And it's obviously a bit of a joke with the relationship that lasted a week and was only based on the fact that we both like soccer. But we chatted on AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, <laughs> all the time after that for like a month, two months, maybe three months. I date myself by saying we were chatting on AIM, but we kind of lost contact for a while as things do. Like obviously we're freshmen, things are going to last long distance like that. But... It was weird. A few years later, when I was in grad school, I wrote an article for this magazine and she stumbled across it. And if, and she friend requested me, I think on Instagram or I don't think I had Facebook, but I think she friend requested me on Instagram. She followed me and it was just random to reconnect and have just have a discussion and catch up on just life. Like we both knew of each other and like it was so cool to just be able to catch up and there was nothing romantic. There wasn't anything to rekindle. It was just a great conversation of catching up and a reminder that the person had an impact on your life. <laughs> like it was, again, it sounds trite and weird, but it's like, it's just a cool thing to like lose contact with someone and then regain it and just be able to pick up right where you left off and just have a good conversation as friends. Like those moments are really cool. And this goes back to the reminder that Chili gave Bluey that sometimes people come into your life and then they have to leave it after a little while. And Bluey nails it when she says that that's sad because it really is. I love the people who I have met in my life and I have had a good relationship with for just a time in my life. And I hate that they're not a part of my life anymore. It makes me really intensely sad sometimes. And it's like that Andy Bernard line of knowing that you're in the good old days before you leave them. But for this, I just think of so many of my good friends that have been just coming to my, coming into my life at random times. And then for whatever reason, we parted ways and we di didn't talk that much after. And it's especially hard when you instantly connect with a person like that too. The tough thing about this though, is that you can make like these kind of things can make you feel more lonely. I think over the past few years when friendships have ended or when people have moved on, I've moved more into the realm of loneliness rather than gratitude of what happened with those people. I think gratitude is a healthier alternative, but it's a lot harder to practice because most of us are like Bluey and 
when we have a good thing with another person, it's just really hard to let go. And when we do, we see those people everywhere in our life. We see ghosts of those people everywhere. In something that we would text a person or in something that we'd see at the grocery store or in a show or something like that, things can remind us of those people all the time. For whatever reason, that can hurt the most. When a person leaves our life, sometimes we can have constant reminders that they have left, that there is a hole inside of us that now feels empty with loneliness. And the weight of that is heavy on us sometimes, but Chili does something great. She reminds Bluey of a few things. The first is that it's good to look at the good times that you happened, that you shared with that person and that happened with that person. Yes, it's sad that they might be gone, but look back on those times and remember the good times and laughs and the enjoyment that you spent with that. Just be grateful for it. Because while in some moments you might feel like it would be better to rather have never met that person in the first place because the hurt is so bad, that shows that you truly do love other people. And Bluey really grew to love Jean-Luc in the short amount of time they got to spend together. Shelley also taught her a lesson that in the darkest moments there is beauty. In the time when Bluey is feeling overwhelming sadness for a friend leaving, she is able to look up at the night sky and see the beauty all around her. She has a good grasp that things come and go and friendships come and go and the world will keep on spinning and there are new friendships to be made. Those temporary friendships are the worst. I mean, they're the best, but they hurt when it's over. And this episode just gave us such a beautiful ending when the two met and were reintroduced to each other again. It makes me think that you can truly have a lasting impact in someone's life just from spending a few short hours with them. And that is both an encouragement and a warning. There have been people I have spent a very short amount of time with and I've had a negative impact on. And sometimes that can be lasting to the point where it truly might affect the person for the rest of their life. But there are some relationships that you can build over short periods of time and truly change a person's life for the better. I hope that I've been able to do that for other people. I know there are certain people in my life who have come and gone and who have been that for me. And just the fact that Jean-Luc remembered Bluey's name's name shows that Jean-Luc had the same thoughts of sadness and impact that Bluey had on her. He probably went back to that camping spot every year hoping he'd see Bluey, but he never did. Until one year they finally met again and spent hours around a campfire swapping stories and becoming better friends. This episode was utterly transfixing and absolutely beautiful. Every episode of Bluey, we're going to talk about the best in show award for Bluey. It's the most valuable player, but for each specific episode. And the best in show award for this episode of Bluey is Bluey. Just, she had the best episode. She able, she's able to befriend someone who didn't speak her language, and then she just had a few great days with that person. She caught a pig with them, planted a tree, and just had an amazing time. She was kind and compassionate, and she grew up too fast, so fast. And then she just sat by the tree to read, just hoping that Jean-Luc would come again, and he did. I love Bluey's sadness in this episode that transitioned to gratitude. She was sad for her friend that left, but that sadness is something that remembered the good times. It reminded me a lot of Inside Out too, where sadness can actually harbor a lot of hope and just can build relationships even deeper with another person. But Bluey just had a beautiful episode, one of friendship and love, and great times with her new friend to Bluey. 
Louis does one thing for me more than anything else, and it really helps me remember my life. Helps me remember my childhood and all sorts of memories that I had when I was growing up. And this one was an instant, instant story that came up in my mind. Because it's the only time that this has happened in my life. And it's a story very, very similar to like literally exactly what happens in this episode. So last episode, I mentioned I had a friend, Parker, who um, he his dad was one of the best architects. He was He was like a very well-off person, very affluent. Parker was a good friend of mine, and I remember his mom was also a real estate agent. So they did like the architecture real estate agent kind of combo. They were like Chip and Joe Gaines before they were Chip and Joe Gaines. Um, and one time I was going over Parker's house, but the mom had to show a French family a new house in New Jersey because they were just moving right outside of New York City and they needed a new place. So... The mom went and showed them the whole house and the parents spoke a little bit of English, but not a ton. And they had one kid who was, I, I would say, four years younger than me and Parker. Me and Parker were like maybe fifth grade. This kid was maybe, be, I'll say like second grade. Let's say he was like a second grader. Maybe a little bit older, maybe like third grader. But I remember we were hanging out and Parker's mom told us to just kind of go play. There was woods in the backyard and we went off and played. I do not remember this kid's name. So... It's not similar. His name wasn't like Jean-Luc or anything like that. I want to say it's Mark, but I cannot remember what this kid's name was. But he did not speak any English at all. I think they had literally just moved to New Jersey. We're living in like a hotel at the time, just trying to find a house to buy and a house to live in. This kid didn't speak any English at all. And we went into the woods and we played. We all picked up sticks and we just imagined and played like guns and we imagine that there is a whole army on this other side of the forest and we were like marching over there and trying to defeat them and there was like we didn't really language barrier wasn't really a thing we just kind of played great and the kid was fantastic and we just played and had a great time and I remember the kid kind of like stop in the middle and I remember like all these weird memories are coming back to me about this we kind of like just stopped and we I think we like had a weird conversation about like uh, our stick guns and then he went off running. He went off running deeper into the woods and we kind of followed after him. We were like having a good time again. And then he stumbled across these, this backyard and in this backyard, there was a trampoline. And the first thing that this kid does, he goes and he climbs into this trampoline. I don't know. Maybe this is different etiquette in France, but in America, that just is strange. Like climbing into a person's backyard and going to the trampoline, that's just not something that you do. You do. But the kid starts bouncing around in there, and he's French. It doesn't speak any English. And me and Parker go up to the trampoline. And we're like, we probably shouldn't be here. You probably can't be here. This probably isn't a good thing. But the kid invites us onto the trampoline, not his trampoline. But we go, and we start bouncing on the trampoline. And we're having a good time, everything like that. And then out comes the family in the house of the trampoline that we were bouncing on. And... Um, the mom steps out and her little kid who was mine and Parker's age and they say it's fine. They're like, it's okay. You can play. But the kid that was our age came out and started jumping on the trampoline with us. Now I was wearing white. Parker was wearing blue and this kid was wearing yellow. He was wearing a yellow shirt and we were playing with this kid on the trampoline, the French kid, and he didn't speak any English. So we were going to teach him a little bit English. We were going to play like tag on the trampoline. So what this kid did, I still remember this. I have such a vivid memory of this. We taught him those colors. 
I pointed to my shirt. I said white. Parker pointed to his. He said blue. And then the kid pointed to his shirt and he said yellow. And this French kid goes blue, white, yellow. And then he would say yellow and he would chase after the kid in the yellow shirt until he got him and tackled him onto the trampoline and all of us went crazy and laughed like so hard it was such a funny moment and then he would do the same thing he'd go blue white yellow white and he would chase after me because i was in the white and he'd go mad and he'd go nuts and he'd chase after me until he caught me and tackled me to the ground it was such a fun time and right there we kind of parted ways and um, that kid went back to his house and we walked back with the French kid to his house because um, his parents were calling and uh, Parker's mom was calling for him. So we walked, walked back to the house and we said goodbye to this French kid and we went off on our own. We kind of played on our own and did our own thing and went back to Parker's house and I have never seen that French kid to this day. And I don't know what's going on in that kid's life. I don't know anything about him, but this episode made me think of that and it made me wonder how he's doing. And if there's ever a kid out there who remembers bouncing on a trampoline with two English kids, with two American kids who speak English and saying blue, white, yellow, and these, these kids taught you English, just three words, blue, white, and yellow. That was me and my friend Parker. Be cool to reconnect with you. How random would that be if we were able to reconnect one of these days? I honestly, I don't even think you would remember that story um, because it was probably way too confusing. Like if I went to another country and I don't know if I would remember something like that, that happened to me. It's probably a whirl of emotions for him. But how crazy would that be if you like reconnected over something like that? Oh, man, this episode of Louie just hit all my heartstrings right there. It was just such a good episode. It was one of the best episodes I've ever seen. And I am just so obsessed with this show. Anyway, I'll be seeing you. Thank you so much for listening. I am coming out with an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This is the best show in the entire world, and I am so grateful for um, the people that are listening to this podcast. And this was one of the best episodes I've ever seen in my entire life of any show ever. So thank you so much for listening to this specific podcast, just deep diving some great content of Bluey. Um, if you can, give me a rating or review. I would love some more ratings and reviews, and you can follow me on social. Thank you so much for listening. We have the best um, little community of people listening. I'm obsessed with Bluey and we have more people who are obsessed with Bluey. And it's just fun interacting and talking about Bluey with more people because Bluey is the greatest show ever. So thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you.